just want you to understand a few things, and I want to really encourage you. Um, it's pretty interesting to take a look at. So I want you to go ahead and jump right in, <coughs> because um, so, many, so much I've noticed as I've shared this the last couple of times, I get to the end and don't have enough time to finish, and so uh, I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of go ahead and jump right in it and not share as much more at the beginning, but you'll see what I mean. If you want to take notes, today would be a great day to do it. In fact, my bet is you'll probably want to. In fact, this message, what I've heard from several uh, folks, is that you may want to pick up a CD of it, or you may want to go online and listen to it again, just so that you understand what it is that you believe, and that you don't have to check your brains at the door in order to believe it. Does that make sense? like they tell you that you do. You'll, you'll see what I mean by today. So let's jump right into it. First part of it is, is the days of creation, uh, the meaning of the days, okay? So the basic thought here is, is just kind of covering something uh, quickly, uh, just what do the days mean in creation? Let's take a look at it. We'll read a few verses, but let's take a look at it now, if you will, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's as far as we got last week, right? And so I'm not going to recover last week, but if you, if you weren't here, you need to hear that piece too, because if you've got that piece, then the rest of it makes perfect sense. If you've understood that there is a God who exists, who is powerful, who has creative power, then the rest of it, there's no problem, okay? If you have problems with the first verse, then the rest of them are going to bring you a lot of problems. But again, we talked about that last week. It says the earth, if, if you like writing in your Bibles, uh, if you have a pad or if you have, if you have a paper Bible, I'm, it's weird that I'm having to say that. Believe it or not, most people don't even carry paper Bibles anymore. But if you have a way to underline or highlight, highlight the thought without form and void and that darkness was over. Therefore, lifeless and dark is the key here. Okay? It goes on to say, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep, or the face of the waters, and, uh, and God said, let there be light. Okay, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was the evening, and then there was a morning, and that was the first day. As I shared with you last week, there was a first day. All of us know that to be the truth. All of us know that there's a, there's a beginning. There's an origin. And so anyway, it goes on to talk about, you know, and about, talking about the expanse is the next part. Uh, you know, in the midst of the waters and let's separate the waters from the waters and that kind of thing. And uh, he made the ex expanse, separated the waters and all, uh, and, it and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, that is the, you know, the skies, you know, and there are different parts of heaven, but there's, that's not enough time to talk about today. And in the evening, it says in the, in the evening and the morning, it was the, the second day. And if you keep re reading, you're going to have in the evening and the morning were the third day. In the evening and the morning were the fourth day, all up to the sixth day. And we're going to talk more about that sixth day. That'll be next week. What are those days? What are those days? And lots of discussions happened. Again, I'm not going to delve into all of it. I can't tell you uh, people's imagination as they start taking a look at all of these things. 
But the, the dead giveaway to me was evening and morning. If you ever wonder, if you're Jewish here today, or if you're Jewish washing by way of internet, or if you are familiar with those, with Jewish customs, that you, that's why they're, if you want to know why that their day begins at sunset, how many, did you know that the Sabbath begins at night, right? The sun sets. And that it, and it, and you know, and then it, why? Because in Genesis, it's the evening and the morning is the first day. Well, for us, it starts at midnight, but for them, it starts, you know, the evening, right? Evening to the morning, Friday evening to the Saturday evening, because the evening morning is the first day. So you have that, it's education, guys. We can all learn something. All right, good. So, so when you take a look at it, it's like somebody said, well, I'm Jewish and I didn't know that. There you go. All right. And so, so obviously there's this, there's this day. Now, there's a lot of theories about and, and most of the time, these theories come from the ability to try to make things walk with popular science or with other things. And, um, you know, what do you think about these days? Are they the literal days? Because that, that obviously yom is a Hebrew word for day. And, and you'll find it, oh my gosh, hundreds of times throughout the scriptures. And it can mean a lot of things, just like we use. Look at verse and it can mean it can mean daylight, right? See where it says, and he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. But then he goes on to say that day was the evening and morning, 24 hours. So the word day can mean a lot of things. In fact, there are other places in the Bible where the word day means like 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 we use the word age or an era. Like, well, in that day they used to, you know, ride on horses. Well, you're talking about a time period, right? Well, in Daniel, you know, you talk about the weeks. Uh, the days of the weeks are actual years. So again, what is meant here at creation? Well, a lot of people have tried to say that for every day of creation, you know, because for God, a day is a thousand years. And they try to make, they try to make all this stuff out of these different days. That there was an entire age, perhaps thousands of years, between the different days. And, um, and I can give you more of the theories and more of the things, uh, but I'm just going to tell you where I am. I believe, I believe they're days, 24-hour days. That's my personal opinion. A lot of people believe different things and whatever, but I just, I just kind of, you know, if God, if God didn't mean what he said, then he should have said what he meant, right? And to me, it just kind of says a day, evening and morning. And it doesn't, like, the, like, in, like in Daniel's weeks, it lets you know that these are symbolic of other things. But um, I just kind of look at them as literal. And the reason I don't have a problem with it, because if God truly is God, he has creative power, then it, it, it wouldn't take six seconds to do all that he did. So, but there's a picture here of a week. There's a picture here of time. There's a lot of symbolism to the seven days of a week. It just is, it's an interesting thing. And there's a lot more to it that we don't have time to talk about today. But I'm telling you is that there's, there's more theories about what these days are, you know, that basically they've all happened. And then we're in the Sabbath year and of creation and but I, I don't really go with any of those things. I just kind of follow along, and you'll see kind of some symbolism I'll share with you at the very end. But the days, I just see them as days. 
All right, just days and the days of what. So I'm going to talk, uh, talk to you about the meaning of the days. I think they're literal days. Uh, number two is the miracle of the days. Therefore, creation became a miracle. In fact, to me, life itself is a miracle. When you understand how it works as much as you and I can understand it, is the, the awesome power to be able to create things that are alive. I'm not just talking about reproduction. It was already alive, right? It's just a way to propagate itself. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about creating life itself. As we'll talk about next week, a living, breathing soul was breathed. We're going to find out next week what it means to be made in his image. And it's very important that you hear it. Very important for you personally. Okay? But basically, when it comes down to, to this the miracle of the days. Creation, uh, as far as origins go, you really only have two choices, okay? You, you have evolution, evolution, however you pronounce it, and you have creation. There are no other choices. Oh, Jeff, there are a lot of choices. Not really, because creation is a thought that, that, that a God created it out of nothing. Even if you're not talking about the God of the Bible, you're talking about some other God that, that they have all had down through the ages. And the only other one is evolution. Now, what does evolution state, or evolution? It states that basically it all began through some cataclysmic event, right? In fact, they use words such like infinite nothingness, and, and it really doesn't really mean anything. But but basically what happened was it, it started with a protein and, and a protein made its way into cells and, and then cells reproduced and, you know, and then eventually through millions and millions of years, you know, you had, you had a, maybe a, a one, a, you know, an unsegmented worm that eventually made its way into, you know, a fish. And no, I'm, I'm, this is it. I mean, you can laugh, but it's it. I'm not trying to be funny. You can laugh. Knock yourself out. But it's the theory of evolution. And by the way, quote on theory, and yet it is taught as absolute fact today. It is accepted and swallowed as absolute fact. Okay, but let's go back. So then the fish, you know, made its way into an amphibian, into a reptile that could be in or out of water, right? And then the reptile... Uh, to birds, and then the birds to mammals, and then eventually you, you and I. And so, so there's this picture, okay? There's this picture of it, and it is widely accepted. Um, it is widely accepted, especially among the scientific community. In fact, it's the elephant in the room. Uh, you better not say anything against it. Guys, I even remember this long ago when I was in college, and I wasn't even a believer and I would sit as they would, you know, as they would spout all of this stuff. And I remember sitting there as an unbeliever thinking, boy, that's a stretch. I really do. Because, I mean, I was smart enough to grasp, you know, biology and life and all of the different things. And so I just remember sitting there going, but I wasn't going to say anything. Because you knew and you still know that if you do say anything, you're going to be attacked. And, and so you just kept your mouth shut. 
It's the elephant in the room that nobody talks about. Let's just be honest that it is. And it usually brings up a lot of emotion, right? And so, uh, so anyway, well, I'm going to talk about it today uh, because I think you need to know. Because you have been told, okay, for most of you, especially if you're my age or younger, um, uh, maybe even a little younger than me and younger, this is what you were taught in school. Um, this is what was in the textbook. This is what the teacher told you. And by the way, I don't believe, I don't believe God. I mean, a lot of people have tried to make both of them walk together, you know? Let's all live in unity. Well, God started evolution and this is how it happened. Well, then you got a real problem because God said it didn't happen that way. He said that he created man and woman in his image. He didn't create the goo. Does that make sense? That's not what he said. So there, you've got a real distinguishing. In other words, evolution begins with the thought that we started real, real low and we continue to evolve up. Creation, the Bible teaches, we started way, way up and we continue to... I mean, let's be honest. They're, they're diametrically opposed to one another. You cannot, you cannot try to marry them and say, let's all have a group hug. That's what people like to do today, but it's not possible. But anyway... So you got this picture then, then of what this is. And I want to give you three reasons of why I don't believe in evolution. And by the way, it is a theory. And remember, it takes faith to believe in evolution. You need to hear that. Because it has never been proved. You do know that. Even though everything that's been told you, it, it's a proven fact, scientific fact. Everything backs it up. That is just, that's just a lie. Just look at the facts. I've studied this stuff for years, but I got so burned out and tired of it. I'm actually, I went back and redid a lot of my stuff to present what I'm presenting to you today. But after today, I, I, I'm not going to waste my time on all of that stuff. Because I have found that those who ascribe to evolution, usually the reason they do is because they have a bias or hatred against who God is. And let me tell you why. Because it's the only alternative that, alternative that tries to exclude him from existence and power and creativity, creation, right? In fact, uh, an evolutionist one time said, this is a classic quote, by the way. Um, uh, the only other alternative, this was the direct quote, the only other alternative we have is creation, and we can't have that. Do you hear what he's saying? Pretty interesting. But why I don't believe in evolution? Number one is what I'm going to call the logical reason. And we're going to spend most of our time here. But there's just sheer logic is the reason that I don't. And let me give you three things. This is not going to be on the screen, so if you want to write them down. But three things that are underneath the logical reason. Number one is that evolution does not have an answer for the origin of life. It just doesn't. That's a bridge that no evolutionist can ever cross over. In fact, they want to avoid the subject at all cost. It's really interesting how a lot of times people love to talk to me about this theory until they find out that I know what I'm talking about, and then they, they run. Why do they run? Because they don't 
They can attack what you believe, but they cannot defend what they do. And they love attacking. They love attacking. But they don't know how to defend. And the one thing they have no answer for is the origin of life, where life began. They've got some wild theories. There's the germ on the meteor theory. I'm not making this up, by the way. Y'all don't want to, I don't think I have to explain it, right? There was a germ on a meteor that came from far away, crashed into the earth, you know, got into the water, and then... But then you have to ask, where's the origin of the, of the meteor and the germ, right? So it really doesn't help. Uh, there's the alien species that visited. I'm not making it up. I'm not going into all of it, though. I get tired of talking about it. It's just absurd. But the last one that seems most of them seem to light on as the origin is they call it uh, spontaneous generation. And that's just a fancy way of saying that life began by accident from infinite nothingness or anyway, but they, they put a lot of big words around it to make it sound real impressive. But in reality, you hear, anytime you look at any of this, you hear the word perhaps or maybe, or it could be really often. And so they're just guessing. They're guessing at things they don't know. Therefore, if life just happened, that's the probability is, is ridiculous of the possibilities of, of life happening. Let me tell you, it's interesting. There was a professor at Princeton, let me get that quote, uh, that said this, this is, this is classic. To suggest that life happened by accident has about the same probability as, as suggesting that a Webster's Dictionary came from the explosion of a printing factory. That's a Princeton professor. God bless him. At least he had the courage to say it, you know, to say that just because people know now what it looks like. It's becoming more and more difficult to stay on this page, and yet there's no other alternative for them. Why is it getting more difficult, I mean, to stay on this page? Because they're unlocking DNA. They're unlocking the incredible uniqueness of life and the order of it. I could go on and on and on and on about these things. But if you don't have an origin, if you don't have an answer for the beginnings, then everything else you're building is, is suspect. Therefore, the whole evolutional, evolution, whatever, E or F, whatever, is based upon something that can't be proven. Well, if any of you in science or scientists know that's a dangerous place to be, if what you're basing everything on is not, is not proven, so what makes any of it? Because if you divide by zero, you can actually prove that one equals two for some of you mathematicians. You know what I'm talking about. You can actually make, you can prove that one equals two because you're dividing by something that's undefinable. If you can't prove it, then what makes any of it worth anything? Interesting, huh? So I just want you to see, that's one of the reasons that I cannot, I just can't. It's a logical reason. There's no answer to the origins. Number two is that there's been no, there's been absolutely no evidence 
of, of species becoming other species. Um, they know it's, a, it's an issue. Um, it's called the missing link among their vernacular and evolutionists. In reality, I, I want to be honest with you, it's not just a missing link, it's a missing chain. Because there's, there's no way you can go from one thing to another. You know, it's an, it's an interesting thing. Um, let me share with you a couple of quotes. Put the first quote up there. This is Charles Darwin himself. I actually, some people hate him. I don't. I actually admire him. He came up with theories, and I don't think he had any idea this was going to turn into the monster it turned into. But the thing I liked about him is that he was honest. And he knew what he was proposing had huge holes. And here's one of them. Now, th I'm not making this up. You don't ever hear this. This is not any, in any textbooks at school. But this was a quote from him. Let me read it to you. It says, to suppose that the eye, with all of its inimitable, inimitable, you know what that one is, all right? All right, I've done that every time. Uh, contrivances for adjusting the focus to different dif distances. That's a fancy way of saying the complexity of the eye. And the eye's ability, you see where it says? Different distances. What that means is, is that I can look down at my hand and I can see the spots on my hand. And there are more coming up every day, right? I can look down at the spots and I can look up and I can see the exit sign in less than a second. And I have a brain that can record it visually. It is an incredible thing to think about. So at least he had the honesty to say, hey, this is a tough one. Let me tell you what I mean. Let's read the rest of it. He goes on to say different distances for emitting different amounts of light. What's he talking about there? Well, the eye can also, the pupil can dilate when it gets dark, let in more light so you can see better. And when you go out and bright, it immediately adjusts down to let in less light so that you can see. That's what he's saying. All right, continue to read. And for the, uh, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, that's a fancy way of saying you can see colors. In fact, your eye can distinguish, from what I've been told, to over 10,000 different colors, the differences. Okay? I look around and I see a yellow shirt, right? I see a bright yellow shirt. I see an orange shirt, right? Obviously, the brighter colors stick out to me, but I see all of them. And it's, I can tell the difference between them and they're recorded in a brain that can remember them. So Charles Darwin's having a moment, right? He's having a moment of trying to understand, wow, it's a huge stretch to believe that this all happened. Well, let's read, let's read his words, all right? Uh, correction, spherical and chromatic observation could have been formed by natural selection. What does that mean? Evolution. Natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest possible degree. What's that basically mean? That basically means to say that the eye, the human eye, 
came up from a pool of goo to the complexity of what it can do now seems pretty absurd. And he's right. But see, you have to understand, if you do away with evolution, then you're going to have to admit to the existence of God. And if you admit to the existence of God, then you have to admit to that you are responsible to him for who you are and what you do. Does that make sense? So there's a bias against God's existence. They would rather believe whatever they have to believe than to have to believe that. Even if they know there are so many holes, and yet they will fight you to the last ounce that it's all true. It's an incredible thing. So when, again, when again, you see, you, you look at there's no answer to origin, and that there's also the fix, fixity of the species. Let me tell you what I mean a little bit about that. Now, understand this, and, and the, the evidences that they like to give you <coughs> are really like they've shown that these birds who had smaller beaks have, have evolved into larger beaks because of the seeds that they have to pop with them. Well, that's, a, that's adapting. I got no problem with that. I agree. I agree all of us adapt. From what I hear, whenever a disease happens, our bodies will adapt and will begin to grow and, and to be able to combat those antibodies and all the rest. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know enough, right? And so the vaccines that you get for the flu don't fight the flu. They just trick your body into fighting it. Am I right? Why? Because it builds up immunity. Why? Because your body has the ability to adapt. That doesn't mean you're evolving. That just means you're adapting. Also, mutation. I'm all fine with mutation. You can mutate things. The thing you can't do is transmutate. Mutation is a red rose, and then you can get it into where it's a blue rose, right? Or a white one, or different, different colors. But it's still a rose, what you can't do is get a rose to, to, to transmute into a pineapple. Does that make sense? Therefore, God says in Genesis chapter 1, he talks about vegetation. Take a look at it. He talks about the vegetation plants. It says that they're yielding seed. Have you got that for me? It's right here. Can you put that up there? One, two, three, go. All right. The earth brought... The earth brought, there it is, all right. The earth brought vegetation, plants, yielding seed according, here we go, to their own kinds. In the next few verses, it talks over and over and over again about to their own kinds, to their own kinds. Therefore, the scriptures say that different species can't jump over and become other species, and they can't interbreed. They don't match. So you can mutate a rose and get a different color rose, but you can't somehow change it to become a pineapple. And you can't get a pineapple to become a fruit fly. But guys, this is, this is where all this goes. You have to remember that the, the foundation of, of evolution is that it all began with single cells that transmutated into all these different species. And it's just not possible. And there is no proof to it. 
whatsoever. But you can read the rest of the passages after it's kind. A fruit is produced that has to be in it after their kind. You can do, you can, you can obviously make hybrids, they're sterile, right? And the hybrid itself is still in the same family. You know, it's kind of like a horse and a dog. You can get a mule. The mule's sterile, but, but, but they're still the equine species, equine family. So you just can't do that. I read this. This is classic. I read it to you. I was going to skip it, but I've just got to tell you. Here we go. Once I was a tadpole beginning to begin, and then I became a frog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey uh, swinging in a banyan tree, and now I'm a, I, and now I'm a professor with a PhD. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, and by the way, I'm not an anti-science guy. I love science. My son just loves it. I mean, it's just, he loves, lives, eats, and breathes it. I love watching how things work. But if you truly want to call it science, and the basic definition of a science is in a controlled atmosphere and watching results and recording facts, not running off on wild summations, extrapolations, that's not what science is. It never has been. But my goodness, it sounds like these folks have hijacked science. But in reality, it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's like my son tells me, because he's in the middle of all these classes. He says, Dad, it's not as bad as you think. Because there's only a handful that actually are preaching this. The rest are just in their area of science, and that's where they stay. Botany or whatever. They just love all the different things, and they... They take a look at facts and record them and do experiments and, and all of the rest that go with it. And I said, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it is, evolution is more of a philosophy. It is not a science because it's never been proven. You can't call it science. All right? So after their kind. The other one, number three, underneath logical. And this one's a little bit, this one's a little bit more metaphysical. It's a little bit more thought. The, the last one there is just that it's part of it's different. Hey, let me tell you what I, let me exactly what I was thinking about it. It's what I call the non-physical, non-material qualities of life. The, the ability that you and I are different. We're going to talk about this next week a lot more. The ability to enjoy music. There's selfish nature to us. Um that understands and knows those things. There's a conscience that we have that's different from everything else that's been created. And there's something that it's just hard for me to believe you could evolve into. Um, and it's just that non-physical, non-material um, commitment, love for one another, uh, true charity, true caring about others that is just different than anything else that's been created, okay? So number one is just simple logical reasons I don't believe. Number two is theological reasons. You know, I just, when I think about, when I think about what, what was created and what has been created, 
uh, I think on that level of, uh, of just, the, just theology. And because when it all comes down to it, it's the, it's the only theological, to me, the, the God is the only one that answers the question. One that is creative, one who has creative power. You know, it leads me to one more quote I wanted to share with you. Uh, this guy put it best. Can you put the second quote up there for me? It says there, nowhere was Darwin able to point to one bona fide case of natural selection having actually generated evolutionary change in nature. You do know that. It's never been, it's never been proven. And yet it's foundational. Uh, change in nature. Ultimately, the Darwinian theory of evolution is no more and no less than the great cosmogenic myth of the 20th century. You know, I just want you, because all you're ever inundated with all these science shows on television, they just make me scream at the television. You know what I mean by screaming at the television? Because it's been it's kind of like if you want to lie to stick, you just have to keep repeating it over and over again. It's kind of like being in, in politics, right? If you want to lie to stick, just keep saying it over and over again. Eventually, somebody's going to believe it, and eventually it's going to make its way as a fact. But here's the picture is you have to understand this is the reason I can't believe it. All right? So I have logical. I have theological. And then number three is just the moral reason I don't believe in evolution. Um, let me tell you about this. I'm not far from being done. But, Jeff, what do you mean by moral? Well, most people today, if you want to know why that most people today teach that there's no such thing as morality, uh, in the same way that they say there's no such thing as truth. Because worldwide, this has been taught. And people have failed to see where this ends. But evolution will not bring about very many good things. Let me tell you what I mean. If you begin to think that you descended from animals, you'll begin to act like an animal. And there's certain philosophies that go around now that are all evolutionary based. Let me give you a few of them. Perhaps you've heard them. You only go around once. That's based on evolution. Why? Because you don't have to answer to anybody. You better get as many thrills as you can while you're here, because after you're gone, you're gone. So evolution has no answer for origins, and it definitely has no answers for the end of life, other than real depressing ones, right? Interesting. Survival of the fittest. It's one of the foundational tenets of evolution. Therefore, don't worry if you hurt someone else. If it makes you feel better, then go for it, because the strongest survive, right? Kill like they do in the animal kingdom. Why does that matter? If it's what's best for you, right? The sexual nature, it's just a biological instinctive function. Go for it. You and I know different. That's what they try to say. But we all know the destructive nature of multiple sexual partners over years. If you've ever been there, 
Hopefully a lot of you haven't, but if you've ever been there, you, you know what I'm talking about. I've talked to way too many people, and yet you can buy the evolutionary lie that it really doesn't matter. It's just a biological function, and that is just not the truth. But that's a philosophy out of evolution, right? Now, don't answer this out loud. And definitely don't say out loud because the Bible says. And you'll see what I mean. All right. What makes murder wrong? Ever thought about that? Well, in evolution, nothing. Right? But if God gave life, if he created it, then what right do you have to take away what he's created? Does that make sense? That's what makes abortion wrong. Under evolution, is abortion wrong? Probably not. It's just a blob of protoplasm to them. But to us, it's, it's life. It's a powerful thing to think about if you're thinking. And yet when you think about survival of the fittest, then we need to kind of weed out the weak among us. That's where that's come from. Unwanted pregnancies, other things like that, you need to weed all that out because in the end, that's not going to help society. Well, that's not yours to do if you understand it's God. We'll talk more about that next week. It, guys, everything bases on this and where your logic and how you live your life is all based on what you believe right here. It all, it all works its way up. It's incredible to think about. Oh, I've got to quit. I've got to be done here. There's one more thing that I want, to, want you to take with you to chew on. I've got to stop that. All right, number three is the message of the days. You have to understand that there is a message here too. There's a dual message like everything I share with you. There's the Passover lamb, but then there's a picture of Christ. But there's, there's far more to this than you can imagine. We left off last week with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away, all things become new. So you have a new creation. We understood in a, the thought of what is creation. Creation is having the power and the ability to make something out of nothing. You and I have never seen that before. We've always made something out of the things that were already here, even reproduction. So when you look at this, if anyone's a Christ, he's a new creation. That is something exists that didn't exist before. And you look at the parallel. I'm going to go through this quickly, but I want you to chew on this as you walk out the door because this would be one of those things, like for if I was sitting out there, my mouth would be open going, oh, yeah, all right, but... Hang with me here, and we'll throw a whole lot after you, and we'll pick up next time, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on to say, I had you underlined the thought, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered everything. So you had this picture of darkness and lifelessness. But God said, let there be light. And then light came out of darkness, and light produced life. And life produced fruitfulness. So what is it that comes out of lifelessness and darkness other than creation? And why is it that 2 Corinthians talks about if you're in Christ, you're a new creation? Why? Because you came out of darkness and out of, if you will, lifelessness into life. 
So you hit this incredible parallel that's throughout the Bible. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's the Christmas time verse. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? He's comparing it to creation. Because what did light bring? Life. For those of you who have ears to hear. Some of you are going, oh, say that one more time. I think you're going, if you're going with me here, then you'll just, you'll, you'll have to do this on your own. Sorry. All right. So you have then this picture of light, life. Now I have to skip to John 1, guys. I'm going to skip a few verses. And let me just get to this straight. John chapter 1. And my hope, my hope is that this will let you see some things perhaps you haven't seen before. If you've ever wondered how John wrote in the New Testament about Jesus, he started off the same way that Genesis did. Look at John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, sound familiar? In the beginning was the Word. What's he talking about? Well, I ask you the question, what was it that God used to create something out of nothing? Spoke it. God's Word is creative. So what is he talking about here, John? In the beginning was the word. So he's going back to creation. He's talking about that which was created by God's word. So he says, in the beginning was word, word was with God, the word was God. So he's talking about Jesus here. He was in the beginning with God because he was God. Interesting, huh? All things were made through him. And without him, not anything was made that was made. That's about as clear as it comes. If you truly want to know and understand, if you have ears to hear, listen to this. This is just awesome. In him was our participation time. In him was life. Where'd that come from? It was light. It was the light of men. In him was life, and that life was the life of men. And you think about it, it's incredible to put it all together. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So you have in this picture. There's more of those verses. If you want to read the rest of, first of John chapter 1, it's just so much fun to put together. But I've found that everything that you need to know about who God is is found here. The question is, do you want to know? I've always asked that. I think sometimes people think that it's somehow if I can just stay ignorant, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, because then somehow I may have to be accountable to it. No, no, you're accountable to it whether you hear it or not. It's just the truth. It's what truth is. But here's the picture. Is that this world, if you will, started off void and dark. And God said, let there be life. And then there was light. And then there was light that became life that became fruitful. So as believers who were walking in darkness, there's this picture then of understanding, uh, light being shown on who you are, ability to understand however you want to look at it, and it created with you a new life, a new creation, which calls then you to be fruitful. For you who have ears to hear it, to hear it. I gotta stop. I am stopping. Okay, but... If there's never been a time in your life, there'll be some folks up here, up here that have to, that would love to talk to you about what that means. What that light that leads to life 
is all about, what it means when it says Jesus is the light of the world. All right, we'll stop here and we'll pick up next week. All right, looking forward to it. God bless you guys. All right, thank you for being here and, uh, and hearing, about, uh, hearing about our great God and how he created everything. All right, God bless you. Let's all stand while we'll I have a closing word of prayer. All right, praise the Lord, absolutely. All right, come on up. Uh, Doug's going to close us. I'm heading to the guest reception. If you're a guest with us, please stop by. I'd love to shake your hand and say hello. God bless. Have a great day. All right, Doug, why don't you close us?